Sure. Well, you got to. All right. Um, you should always talk when the when the recording is on. You should, I know you don't pay. T- let's do a show. All right. Let's show? do a show. Yeah, we'll do a show. I should always talk when the recording is on. Well, what I'm saying is, you see what I'm doing over here, right? A little bit. <laughs> I mean, I can see you moving buttons around. Yeah. I don't like. Okay, Gramps. <laughs> you and all your. You and your newfangled electronics. In my day, to do a podcast, we yelled out the back window. That's the way it was, and we liked it. <laughs> yelled out the back window. That's my impression of Dana Carvey's. Uh, remember the grumpy old man? In my day, we didn't have condoms. We st- we skinned rabbits and tied them around our units with bungee cords. <laughs> Did you? Uh, you're, you're from uh, Warrenville. Yeah. So there's yeah, a chance when you grew up that there. Well, because there was a chance that when you grew up there. Was, Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am uh, Brian Irwin, and I am John Huck from Warrenville. There, there, there was. Did you ever? In your family, have the station wagon with the back seat that faced. My family did not. No, but my had neighbor one. had the station wagon, and my friend. Had a station wagon in high school that I think faced the other way. Maybe we did not. A, maybe not. We did a trip from Wisconsin to Colorado, and I sat in the back seat with the dog. Yeah. And the dog drool, of course, you know, travel back then. The dog. I didn't even know drool. what AC was like in those things back then. If the, I think AC it was, was the windows. It was a rolled on the window. The ba- it was bad because, especially back in that back the seat. Freon one, if there was any, right? And it yeah. didn't work. It never worked. Not all the way, no. And that dog just drooled on me and shed on me. Buffy, rest in peace. Just uh, drew, and I had a, a tape cassette player, and I only had two. Hold on. Oh, I didn't get. To, I didn't get your marching band part. Here, I think this is it. This is marching band. Oh my gosh. No, no, it's still like uh, whatever the gold diggers. All right, so um, we had two tapes and uh, cassettes that I had with me. One was um, John Denver's Rocky Mountain High. <coughs> okay. And uh, the other was a child's version of The Wizard of Oz. And I remember... Child's version? Yeah, it was like, you know, the story. Right. But um, I remember there was a part where it was like, we're going to Yellowbrick Road, we're going to Yellowbrick Road, but like that, like not like the other song, more the uh, kids' annoying version. And I was with a couple of my older brothers, and I remember that that tape mysteriously uh, got melted in the window. Yeah, m- mysteriously, <laughs> I'm sure, cracked in <laughs> half and chucked truck. into a garbage can because <laughs> it wasn't on headphones. You were just out loud playing that. Found the Yellowbrick Road. Found the Yellowbrick Road. Found the Yellowbrick Road. Yeah, I would have thrown you out the window. I, there was poor, I don't. I believe. I don't even think that those those tape players that. Headphones with headphone jacks, that stuff didn't exist. I don't think. Oh, you saw this before the, the Walkman? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is way back, dude. Oh, yeah. This is some serious stuff. Yeah, you were like a toddler. It's back when you could still drink in the cars and oh, there was yeah. no seatbelts. Yeah. Kids, you right? get, get down on the floor. <laughs> what? There's too many of you. I will say that I think that's something that is missing the whole being able to look. Child endangerment? You. No, oh. just travel. Tra- travel, I think, would be more exciting if they. I don't think reverse seats. I believe are illegal now. So I'm assuming that's why you don't. My they don't guess exist. is there's something because I mean, not you know. safe about them somehow because they took place in the 70s and nothing was like. <laughs> Did you see the movie? Uh, the movie Used Cars, one of my favorite movies of all oh my, time. So. Not for a really long. Is that uh, um, Danny DeVito? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell was in it. I just I just remember that that was that was the epitome of like there was a scene where. They sold one of those station wagons. They're like, "Bye, kids!" And when they hit the um, the, the the bump in the road, the back opens up, and then the kids fall out. The car just <laughs> the car just keeps going, and the kids are just lying in the street. That to uh, me was a defining moment of those cars and the 1970s. Yeah, people are like, "Yep, that's safe. That's safe. <laughs> We're good. We're good." Um, we probably should. Like we both. just did a simultaneous. We water probably break shouldn't both sip water at the same time. Cares? Oh, we were, wanted to encourage our listeners to. Um, 
the Facebook page. Yeah, like, like the know? Facebook page if you if you haven't yet, and then uh, and 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 share it. You know, share with your friends. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to build a following. There here. is if you go on there, you might have to scroll down a little bit, but I I, I put a video that I've been showing. I showed you. Um, it is funny. <laughs> it is real funny. It's it's a guy playing volleyball, but he only uses his face to return spikes and. Uh, and sets and everything with his face. It's pretty funny. It's so ridiculous. The it's first funny. two times you're like, oh my God, how <laughs> yeah, crazy exactly. is that? And then by the end you're like, oh, I see. That's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. I'll post the video. I just did a, a thing for Fox Sports where I'm getting kicked in the face with a soccer ball. That's, too. yeah, which reminded me when you showed me that, it reminded me of that thing. So yeah, post yeah. everything that anybody gets hit in the face. Hilarious stuff. Yeah, always, always. And then just, you know, feedback is always good. Let us know. If there's guests you want to hear, if there's uh, people in... Well, then they're going to ask for ridiculous. Well, that's, they know the show. If they're asking, can I hear Richard Dreyfus and John Goodman? No, you I can't. mean, that's realistic. I'm just Probably. saying other people. The, unless they start having kids like, that go like to your Like my neighbor school. to the left. It's not going to happen. 80-year-old Lou. Oh, yeah. Can you bring Lou in? 80-year-old Lou. talk about parking out front? Oh, yeah. That guy's a hoot. Uh, <laughs> you guy's convinced that his soul gets taken if someone parks within 40 feet of his driveway. Fucking psycho. Uh, but that's I have I look forward to that being that being old and like crazy like I want it this way because I'm fucking old and that's the way I want it. It's like, called earning points. You know yeah. you earn points throughout your life. I guess, but most people you can still say like, okay, there are better ways to do that, but it doesn't matter. Like you can't tell an old person because it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm I'm that way. Don't tell me. I don't care. I'll do it. All right. Way. Okay. I, I I will say that. I mean, I look forward to the day that I'm still talking to you, and you are that guy. I can see you having a couple things. You're like, God damn it. Well, this is just how I do it. Yeah. This is how I post You're on Instagram. I don't care what the kids are doing today. This is how I post on Instagram. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. This is how I tweet. By the way, speaking of that, I got a MySpace alert. Oh did my you get an email? Are you still on MySpace? No, I canceled I mean, my account, I but, I, I, but I, went, it. I was looking at... Um, I go there sometimes just to reflect and get away. I have, I have like, not IMDB, but it's like a Actors Access. I have some weird page that you just get as an actor, and you're sp- it's supposed to help out and whatever. And I went and looked at my information to edit it. MySpace.com. And, I, and it, my website was my MySpace page on this thing. I was like, that's old. That's fucking old. So I got rid of that and put up the old, that new website. Good story, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for following I along. It. I, don't even know, I don't know if I can get on, but apparently they're like... But, but the funny thing about the email was it was MySpace security... And they're oh. like, we just want to let everybody know we were hacked. And I'm like, who gives a shit? You were hacked. Who? Who? What? What information are they getting? How about everybody's information from ten years ago? That literally, there's nothing that they could hack that uh, is of, of they any. Could, use. Your musical preferences. <laughs> you know, I think that would be. They're like, we know that you secretly listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers all the time. That could happen. Maybe MySpace breach. That's the best thing that happened to them in a long time. Someone actually intentionally went there. Well, dude, I I I'm trying to make this a joke, but I went into a, don't. I think my bathroom is a time machine because I went in to take a shit the other day. And when I came out I'm on my phone, I had a an email from BlackBerry. I was like, "What? Is it 2006? Who's BlackBerry? Still a company? I thought Do you they were still gone. have your BlackBerry phone? I mean, in a pile with other BlackBerry okay. phones somewhere, like not like out and functioning. No, for sure. Uh, oh, dogs are barking. They can hear you up there. When you yelled, oh, I thought yeah. I heard. A, I heard one yipe. They hate you. Yeah, they, they do. still hate you. They're. Con- I gave them a treat. Did not hate you as much, but they're done with the treat now, so they're back. Maybe to if every you. time they saw me, you got a, They got a treat. Like every time I made eye contact with them, they got something. Or maybe eat. if you weren't a dick to them the first time you met them, they would still fucking hate you. It wasn't the first time. It was like Whatever. the third or fourth Whatever. or fifth. Or All sixth. right, bring in the guest. Oh, our guest today, guys. Uh, special day. <laughs> Comedian, improver, sk- 
sketch comic. Mm-hmm. Mm. 50-50 on Comedian, right. improver, comedy club owner. Oh. Co-owner. Co- well, co-owner. co-owner. Um, what am I missing? Male model? Oh. For a very brief time. Nice. Right. Chris yeah. uh, Chris Gorbos, yes, right? Yes. I'm saying that correct? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. People mispronounce it all the time, and it was How do they... changed to be phonetically pronounced by someone at Ellis Island like 100 years ago. Oh, really? How do people usually say it? Uh, it can be anything from uh, Garbus, Gorbosh. Like, they like to fuck it up. Yeah. Even though it's... Yeah. Phonetically where, spelled. Where were these people coming from? They were coming day? from uh, Poland, which okay. was Russia at the time, okay. but was definitely Poland. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm half Polish, half Irish Italian. Half Irish Italian, oh, yeah. half Polish. Whole stew of Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Lots of different ways to find guilt inside yeah. of that body. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> So, back, so let's just start with the, because we're fascinated, let's all right. just start with the modeling. How did we get into oh, this no, modeling? Oh, no, no actual modeling. Not not at all. It wasn't a thing where you caught that reflection in the mirror and you're like, this guy needs to show the world. And you caught the reflection in the mirror, then spoke to yourself <laughs> as if you weren't there. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you find beauty like that. You're like, you're, you're so, so shocked. Stunned. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. I'm just a few cardio uh, events away from like cardio really events? being in the proper shape proper to be a model. Ripped, ripped yeah. model yeah. shape. Yeah. Just a couple more cardio events. I thought we're moving towards the normal model. I thought that's what this was about. It's oh, about so I'm gonna, you're going to see me with no shirt on going, no, I, Sears, they I, sell pants. No, I said normal. Oh. I am a, we're not, not going that far. Oh, not that far. We're not Warrenvilling this yet. Just regular bodies. Yeah, regular bodies. Not sort of half man tit. Yeah. Not, not bodies filled with regret. But I think we're the, dad bod, bodies. Like, the dad bod came and went super fast. Yeah, like, first off, the dad bod is not... I have a dad bod. I have a dad bod as well. it does not look anything like the dad bods they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, the Having dad bods they were talking about. a little bit of... Fat, but still looks like you work yeah, out. Yeah, there's. I yeah. don't know those guys. DiCaprio didn't do a sit up one day, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's got a dad yeah. bod." Yeah, and then yeah, meanwhile, yeah. this guy over here is growing hair that's yeah. connecting his head and his back and yeah, shit. Like, yeah, people with dad bods that are like the hot dad bods. You're like, oh, you like wrestled in a D two college, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And also, and you're you only thirty, and yeah. you have two kids, so and you have a nanny because yeah. you're not around like finishing their food. Not being able to do anything, right. not being able to exercise because they won't leave you alone. The things that those are those are the dad bods that happen over like a decade. Yeah, but now it's gone. People don't even talk about dad bods. Well, because well, now yeah, because we've moved on, and I have kind of sounds call, gross when you say it out loud anyway. But no, but now I have I have what they call an uncle body, ah. and that is the new thing now. Just uncle body, like I can I can lift kegs, but I still look fat. You know what I mean? It's like it's that drunk tough. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the word uncle has taken a really bad turn. Like somebody's like, oh. Uncle's touching it the wrong way, or uncle did this, or uncle, right? Uncle's kind of got a negative. Well, on Sons of Anarchy, they called that one guy Uncle Touchy, and he was like, you know See? what? I, f- I find that a little offensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that's what I'm saying. That seems bad. Not molesting. I don't even mind. let my, I don't like my uh, nieces and nephew calling me uncle. Really? Yeah, they can just call me by my name. I don't really care. And you know what? My, ki- my kids is a joke. One of my kids calls me uh, by my name, and I notice that it upsets some parents around me. They're like, why, why, why do you call him Brian? And he's like, because it's funny and he lets me. Like Bart calls Homer Homer. It doesn't matter. So your I own don't... child calls you by your first <clears throat> yeah, he's name. Like, cause, but, cause but, he but learned not a long usually. time ago that, what, you know, okay, imagine a world where you have children, which neither one of you have kids. No. In no, a no, world. No, no, no. So in that world, do you realize that when there's like 15, 20, 25 kids yelling daddy or mommy, that right. you're constantly looking around? And then somebody's like, Brian. It's yes. Like, that's, my that's my name. Yeah. So I also do that. Imagine another world where I'm in my house and I'm really good at tuning my own kids out. And my wife can't stand it. She told them that in order to get your dad's attention, you got to call him by his first name. 
So if you're so not got, listening, they're like, they, dad, 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 Brian. You're yep, like, what? Boom, head goes up. So now they just do it as a joke. And I also don't care because like, I, 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 the people that do. Do I'm they slap st- a tone on it? Are they like, Brian? Like, do they yeah, make right. Brian? Yeah. Or, like my eight-year-old would be like, what's up, bruh? Like, oh, and yeah. I laugh Oof. every time. So, of course, he's going to keep doing it. Right, right, right. He got to laugh. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to stop doing it until I say, knock it off. That's not funny anymore. I will not laugh. But I'm not that guy that thinks that that's disrespectful. Like, I, I don't use that name calling. Mike, at I, eight, it's not going to be disrespectful. At 14, it's going to be a problem. Well, yeah, if but, he's going, fuck you, Brian, that's yeah, disrespectful. That, that's what I'm saying. If, if, you're, if you're like, hey, I need you to do this, he goes, okay, Brian. Sure yeah, thing, Brian. Tone. Yeah, it's you're, tone that, go do your podcast, eight. Brian. Yeah. I have Back homework. Back to the basement, Brian. Yeah. I got chicks up in my room. But other than that, I don't care. Like, my kids respect me. They know they know where, well, the, line in the, they know where the line is, and it's not in my name. There are three Christophers in my family. So I'm, I'm Uncle Christopher, and then there's Uncle Chris, and then there's Uncle Tizzo, which is his... <laughs> Nick Very Italian. No, it's his last oh, name. He's, oh, just, okay. he's just super Italian. I thought he was like, it's Chris Latizzo. Like, but even like, like, even the Uncle Christopher is a level of formality that I kind of enjoy. Like, you like it? I do. I like being called Uncle. You want to be an adult? No, I actually want to have that special designation of an uncle because I feel like there's like a unique responsibility in there's there. There's no responsibilities can... with it. What are you what, talking what about? Your... My brother's going to have a kid. My responsibilities are yeah, what's your... spoil uh, the child, uh, buy them their first beer. Uh, show them how to roll a dube. Undermine your siblings' parents. Undermine everything oh, so, okay, my brother that's does. Where it goes yeah. With you. Okay. Oh yeah, I love. So him. you're that guy. Don't tell your Don't tell your dad. But we're gonna go go karting and sig smoking. Right. I also think the quiet. My, my niece and nephew are five and seven, or five ah. and six. So how do they view you? Like who? Oh, are they you to love them? me. But what are you to them? Are you? Russell fun guy well, they or live, you just joke fun guy no like, they live on you? I'm like I'm like let's go in the backyard and not come back until we're all covered in grass stains and like okay. let's one of us cried at a time okay. you know what I mean uh, but I think that like there's you know you, you just have a freedom in being an uncle that is uh, simple and pure and great and you can fuck with them and not fuck with them and also they're somewhat more interesting than their parents to me because like I've known their parents for 30 years I don't need to talk to them more right do you do you treat them like when you talk to them and you mess with them do you mess with them on a more of an adult level or do you kind of get childy no i get more childy you do yeah because you know you don't want to be the one that makes them realize that the world is how it is. Like, well, I didn't say bring up 9-11 conspiracies. Yeah, like, like, like I used like to mess with... jet my, fuel and yeah. tracers in the skies. <laughs> there is no sense. Kids, kids, stop no playing. Sense. Come here. I wanted to show you something about these chem, chem right here. Yeah. No, okay. if anything, it's like more fantastic and silly. And right. I, okay. I like that because, you know, life can be tough, guys. Yes, it can. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah. I don't think, John, anything that you brought up earlier about your job as an uncle, I, I, I think that your brother should be very... Is this concerned. the first one? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, right. and I think they're going to be good parents. And uh, I mean, I, you know, if they stay in New York, I'm, I'm not going to see them that often. But. Okay. Oh, okay. So you've already got the distance thing going for you. That's great. Well, no, I, no, I mean, already the, in your head. You're the, already like, this is going to be great. I can be a great uncle via Skype. Oh, no, I was going to say that. I think, they, in, you know, like, no, I mean, I want. I would like to be able to be there more, you know. But the distance thing is going to work to your advantage because hopefully. you're a wild card whenever you're in town. Hopefully, hopefully. Like yeah. my brother lives about two hours from them, and he'll he'll see them more often than I do. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of like a like, oh yeah, he's here again. Whereas like whenever I'm there, it's, it's a like, party. It's an event. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's take a step back in your life. When you landed on Ellis Island, why? <laughs> Um, and didn't you sound, speak a word of English. Okay, yeah, you look great and you sound great. Thank for, you yeah, for being 106. I have assimilated impressive. well. 
Uh, What's your secret? Mountain Dew? It'd be Dew funny if your family was like, we, we, we just went there last year. We thought we had to check in, and there's oh. nobody. We're, now where do we go? <laughs> we rowed our boat right up to the island. When and I came to Ellis Island, it was 2015. <laughs> we were on a tour. Are I, you from here? I'm from uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? Originally. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then school in the Midwest, and then moved out here like 10 years ago. Where in the okay. Midwest? Uh, Northwestern. Ah, it seems to be a theme. I think the Two last in a th- row. three out of the last four shows, Peter Sprite went to uh, Northwestern. Northwestern, cool. Wow. cool. So Pennsylvania, so so zero to eighteen was you Pennsylvania. Zero to eighteen was Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which okay. is like an old steel town that is now not a steel town, and they turn like the third biggest steel mill in the country into a casino. So now uh, it's like it's a casino town. It's a casino town. Okay, so that's how they and why did it stop being the steel town? What happened? Uh I think the uh just a, a short version of the story. I think the price of Chinese steel went very far down and It was that simple. Shut shut it down. Yeah, and rather than kind of like deal with labor unions, the 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 powers that be were like, "Oh, let's uh gut this small town and make for the hills." How small? Uh, it's 60,000 people, but it's part of the Lehigh Valley, like Allentown, East, and Bethlehem. There's like a uh, half a million people in, in Were, Lehigh did your fa- Was your family affected no, by the shutdown? No, not at all. My dad was, uh, my dad worked for AT&T. So okay. He, but a like a lot of my friends' friends? families, yeah, they had like father, grandfather, great-grandfather they were in the steel uh, mill. Yeah, so. they were a mill family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... And they're all working at the casinos now, or a lot of people that just just they just packed know. up. I don't know. I don't talk to them. You don't talk to anybody. Come I, on, man. I assume my friend's grandparents are all dead, Not and their them. parents yeah. are retired. <laughs> so, oh, so the, how long ago did this t- turn into a casino? This was it turned it, the steel mill closed. I think I want to say like ninety two, and then it everybody died after ninety two. Everyone died. Everyone it was, died. They, it was like you know, like a Viking like funeral, <laughs> like go out on the ship that you rode on, uh, and they. Uh, yeah. um, and yeah, no, then they just went to other businesses. And when did the casino pop up? Well, you were still there? Like six years ago, I want to okay, say. Okay, so you were long gone by And the it's actually it. a really cool, like, comp- they've got like a concert hall and like, you know, a massive mall. It's not, it's not bad. Like other towns in the area just kind of collapsed in on themselves. But Bethlehem is like a really oh, like, okay. beautiful, historic, friendly place. Resilient. Resilient so Bethlehem, you, Pennsylvania. So you lived your zero to 18 years when? How long ago was that? 81 to 99. 81 to 99. Yeah. Okay. All right. Almost six, like that was it. And uh, and 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 we're in so how does how does one end up going from northwestern to here like when did you start getting the bug like obviously you landed out here doing the stuff that you're doing like when what was I mean your life super early. Up? I have a really funny family and you like do. you know they always encouraged me. There was never like you know I'm sure similar with you guys when you expressed interest in the arts there was like a, a cadre of students that that you know called you a homosexual and a much more uh, un PC word for a couple yeah, months. Fact. But my exactly. Yeah. But my parents were never really like that. Like I played. <laughs> well, good. Your parents were. I thought you were talking about your friends. I didn't realize you were talking. About your... Yeah, like. Hey, well, I dad, think I, I want to be shut up. Fag. <laughs> no, they, uh, I did have a friend who was like who was a very good actor and very funny and also uh, heterosexual. And his dad was like, "Hey, man, you're not going to do that. You're going to be an engineer." And he was like, "Oh, okay, cool. So I'll." And just that's what he did. That. Yeah, that's what he did. Crush the dream. Oh, just like crush that. the dream just like that. Although, my, at the same time, if he was that talented, good that he's not out here competing. But, you know, at the same time, my parents, when I was like seventh grade, my parents did sit me down and they were like, hey, we would still love a son if he were gay. And I was like, where is my brother Steven right now? And yeah. they were like, no, 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 no. He's fine. We just want to let you know. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not, but. But thanks. That's thanks very for, nice yeah. of you. They really did that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was doing like, I took what? violin and theater. And, yeah. And theater and you weren't, were you playing any sports? Uh, you volleyball. So, like, you know. <laughs> short shorts. Yes, yeah, short that shorts. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But nothing about you is like the finer things in life, man. Yeah, well, yeah, which so is behaviorally but, there was but, nothing. But from where you're from, not the yeah. most typical yeah, ch- yeah. Your, you know, yeah. child. You yeah. went against the grain. Yeah. yeah. And that was and, and and as a parent, like I mean, good first of all, good for them because a lot of kids live with that inside and don't know how it's gonna be yeah. right. be you know. So if it was felt. real, yeah, you're right. Now you're big football. That's footballs have big in that Northwestern. No, 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 oh, no, no, in no, Bethlehem. No. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Huge football. The Rock thing. went to my high school, guys. Oh, Dwayne Johns. Yeah, and then he went to University of Miami to play outside linebacker. And he got injured. And you know who took his place? John Huck, Warren Sapp. <laughs> <laughs> Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp. Really? The John Huck story would have been way better. Yeah, that John little, Huck that played football at the University of Florida. <laughs> By Miami. accident, for one day, they had actually <laughs> drafted John Huck. I was looking for class sign up, and uh, someone told me there was a weed dealer. I walked out. I broke the my field. femur on the first play. They just tossed me the ball. I collapsed. <laughs> Heat stroke. <laughs> this ball hit my femur, and that was the rest. Of it. <laughs> that was it. No, that yeah, football's it. pretty big there, and Penn State football's like. Massive. It's yeah. one of those. It's kind of like Nebraska or Iowa, where like they'll be like, you'll go buy a house and there's like tons of Penn State flags, and you'll be like, oh, you must have went to that college, and they're like, no, I no, I didn't your, go your to daughter college. Did. Nope, your son, nope. They just they're love branded. Penn State football. They're branded. They're branded. Yeah. So that would make sense, though, that everything that you were doing really fits oh, yeah. outside the norm. Like a lot hardcore. of red flags. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's fine. That was cool the, the way they did it. So. You did some you did some theater stuff. Yeah. But where does the comedy come into it for you? Like, uh, I, there was a there's a great amazing kind of the thing that tipped me to go to the college I went to was there's this great sketch group there called Meow and uh we I just to, we just heard about those oh, guys really? last so episode. You, you were yeah. part you of that. To. I was a part of that okay, for one cool. year. Yeah. So, but before wow. you got there though, let's just take one quick step back. What was the what was the foundation for you um, when you were still living in Bethlehem? Like what were the things that that you had seen or influenced you that 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 forced you to make that decision to head that direction. I think you know I had a bunch of uncles who basically spoke uh, uh, a combination of trading places and spies like us comments yeah. to each other the whole time. Like I, I literally thought my uncle Tommy was a karate man and he could like drop a quart of blood out of you, which is from trading places. So they yeah. were very funny, and I was like, okay. oh, and kind of performative and really great storytellers and. My dad was really funny and uh, uh, kind of is still, but not really. And my and then I expressed an interest, and my parents were like, "Oh, there's this place on the south side of Bethlehem called Pennsylvania Youth Theater. We'll enroll you in a class if you would like that." So it just kind of started from that, from about sixth grade onward. Where did your dad lose his dad comedy? When did your dad? Become when I Jerry turned Lewis? about eight. Yeah. Okay. So he was he was all he was he was first he was young Jerry Lewis. Yeah. And then he became old Jerry Lewis to you. I mean, my dad can still be kind of funny, but like if you are under the age of eight, he is like literally the funniest. <laughs> Like my niece yes. and nephew, like they're like Pop Up is the funniest guy we know. Yeah, you're like give it some time. Yeah, and you're like it's very much like oh, like you're gonna see the twinkle go out of their eye, much like when they stop believing in Santa Claus. We're like oh, you're, part of your childhood is now it's over. Gone. Yeah. yeah, you realize now. Like that... he loves Looney Tunes and like you know that level of yeah. Humor. Okay. My dad used to talk like Donald Duck to exactly. Yeah. My dad talks like Donald Duck too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. kids love it. And then you're right. At, his, at, at after eight years old, you're like. You're like, we're doing the, the fucking fuck Donald Duck up. thing again? Yeah. Jesus Christ, old man, get a new routine. We had a moment, like he's been doing the same jokes for like 30 years, and we had a moment at, at the dinner table where we were like, 
ah, oh, I think dad's autistic. Like he just keeps on repeating the same thing over and over and again. And he has the same reaction every time as if, he's never, as, if, as if he's never said it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. So that's kind of how it started. And then just it was a natural progression of I enjoyed it and enjoyed doing it and kept getting encouraged by my parents and then college and blah, blah, blah. So you didn't really, so t- talent shows and all that kind of stuff. You didn't do any stand-up and that kind of stuff. You did the theater stuff. You kind of, and then and then the Northwestern, what drew you there was this sketch yeah, uh, improv group. Yeah, yeah. And then I got to do that my my senior year and then living uh in the northwestern is just the first suburb north from chicago and so like chicago was the next natural move for the next four years of like oh i want to do this type of comedy improv and sketch so did like the io and went through part of second city and then got hired by uh, uh mission improbable which is this great college touring group that does like about 120 to 140 shows a year on the semesters and you can kind of make a living doing short form and see the country and did that and then moved out here. Wow. Yeah. You summed it up way too quick. Way too quick. Oh, <laughs> go back and slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is great. You're getting right to the point. Totally. You're very, totally. Uh, you're very well edited. Yes. Um, but, but also, but uh, the, there's also a difference of someone who, from an early age, is like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And, and you sort of like took steps that made sense. Yeah, you know and I, I, mean? I think that my parents, if I had been like, oh, I want to be a doctor, they would have lined me up with like, yeah, this similar is a law school. Yeah. Here's a doctor camp you can go to. For yeah, a week yeah, like, like my sister went to a doctor camp. But I think this is what this is what interests me though, um, being in Bethlehem, and in, it, it, it's great that you're interested in arts and stuff like that. But having this be the second show that we've heard about this meow program, mm-hmm. like it just I I remember growing up and, and wanting to go to school and stuff like that. I would never. I mean, it seems like I would never hear about stuff like that. So how did you even discover that this? existed like well you knew that i want to go to north because of these things i think that there was like a natural learning process this like the summer in the summers in between sophomore and junior and junior and senior year of high school i did two different kind of like pseudo sleepover acting camps with people from all okay. over the, one was at uh the american academy of dramatic arts in uh, new york and that okay. was kind of more of like a day camp and i lived with my mother and my grandmother in jersey and then would take the train in every day and then uh the yale summer drama program i did uh, between junior and senior year. So you just kind of, you surrounded, I was surrounded by people who were also okay. like, oh, you should check out this program because it. it has this. Don't apply to this because it's actually not as good as it's as it's being said that it is. And so I, you kind of just developed like a, a field awareness of what your possibilities were in terms of going different places. Okay. And what is Meow? What makes it so... What makes it so cool is that it's the only thing outside of football that is something that you don't have to kind of internally flyer for to get people to go at, at the school. Meaning people are just like, oh, the Meow Show is this weekend. We have to go. And, and how long has that been going on at that place? That- I think, I'll fuck up the date, but I think it was started in 72. Okay, so it's been, it had been around for a wow. while. Yeah. It's okay. got a pretty great like mm. uh, a group of people who have been on it. Like, okay. like Kristen Schaal is one of the more, more recent ones who did it when she was there. And I actually saw her. They do like a prospective student weekend uh, when you're deciding whether or not you want to go there. And they had a me- Meow did a sketch in it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to come here because of that. And she was in that group that was wow. performing. So I was like, oh, she's like, that's the funniest person I've ever seen. I should come to this school and then maybe uh, do something like yeah, that. Yeah, emulate her and be, yeah. be as funny or funnier if I yeah, can. She's yeah, she's hysterical. Uh, so, so like, that was kind of, uh, uh, I forget the original question, but I feel like... No, that, what, that's what fine, but... What, what, the what, thing and yeah, what and why? So... And, and so, and then, but you said you didn't, you you didn't get into it until your senior year, is that what you said? So you, yeah, have, to, you mean, have to work your way into this it's stuff? Not, you just that? audition over and over again. And okay. then my friend, uh, Martha Marion, who does um, uh, this great group in LA called Lost Moon Radio, 
which kind of does like an old fashioned. It's kind of like a hip version of uh, uh, what's the one with Garrison Keillor on uh, uh, this uh, American Life. No, uh, kind of old, American this old country. It's, yeah, the, that thing. Yeah. So that like it's yeah. like a, a, a cool radio a radio play that they do all the time. And now they're like, I think they're shooting sketches for like IFC or something like that. But uh, she, um, she had been on it since her sophomore year, and we were the same year and friendly. And she was like, Hey, we'd like you to audition this year. And so I had auditioned once or twice before and didn't get in, and then auditioned and, and got in. And it's just like a great, it's a great performance opportunity. It's kind of similar to. Uh, the goddamn comedy jam where we have a backup band, so it's seven sketches, seven improvisations, and then everyone gets to sing a song with the band for each show. Oh, so wow. it's like a very, very cool, and that's the kind of format that the show takes uh, every year, and uh, it's just, uh, it's just a fucking great show. Nice. And what were you doing uh, leading up to that? Just basically doing just your general plays, education, just, doing your basic. I was stuff. a theater and Slavic literature and languages major okay. for some dumb fucking reason. Wow. And, uh, and I was just doing plays and things like that, and I was deciding whether or not to audition. And my like my acting teacher at the time was directing the the larger play on campus, and I was like, "What do you think I should do?" And she was like, "You should definitely audition for the comedy group because okay. you are not a good dramatic actor." So oh, I thought you were going to say because they saw good t- comedy timing yeah, I in think, you or something. Well, I think yeah. that's she didn't tell me I wasn't a good actor, but like because my parents were paying them $40,000 a year. But like I think what she said was like, hey, I think that your strengths lie more in this venue okay. as opposed to uh, King Lear. So, no regrets, like, though. I mean, uh, obviously, yeah, good no, advice. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Take it or leave it. Super, super, super cool. And what advice. do you think, you know, if she had said, look, you're a you're Shakespearean actor. Qual-, I mean, do you think that would have been as fun as... I don't know. I mean, I think that there's... Uh, I've done a bunch of plays in college, and there's definitely like an aspect of them that's fun, but it's not... It's more work fun. Like the process of it is work as opposed yeah. to the process of doing something like Meow or, you know, an improv group or stand up is way more fun than memorizing lines yeah. and yeah. rehearsing and plumbing the depths of your emotional soul, which can get tedious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And can wear you down and, and just. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't. And, and when you go into, and forget, even though I'm a Midwesterner and I had heard about all the other, uh, you know, improv and sketch groups in Chicago, I never paid that close attention to mm-hmm. it. But. Uh, it seems like there's a theme here that no one really gets involved with it until they get out of school. Is that just because the amount of time that's put into it, you really can't... Well, you know, there were people, I think that... Do you know Heather Campbell? She's over at UCB, and she's a brilliant writer. And I th- there, there were a couple people, and this is like the only regret from college, who when they were freshmen at Northwestern were like, oh, I'm going to start taking the classes in Chicago now. Okay. Meaning like on my off Sunday, I'll start improv at IO and uh, sketch at Second City and go take annoyance classes and there were a couple of people who did that and were like you know four years ahead of the game when they got out of college because they were already performing in the city and doing mm, things like yeah. that so that's kind of the only regret but at the same time like uh, it was college uh, and you uh, still yeah. had to live your life and yeah. be a fucking kid and go yeah, get yeah, drunk yeah. and yeah and so, and, and so you went over and did the other stuff. Was it a pretty, um, did it help coming out of Meow to try to get into these things? Or it, they were like, I mean, it doesn't really help. I think that you have like, uh, you have like a better stage presence and you have more performance experience than the random Chicago consultant who's like, I want to take an improv class to see what happens. So you're kind of ahead of the game in terms of just being able to be on stage and not, you know, be an idiot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but so. they don't care. They don't go. Oh, well, here comes another meow. No, I think if anything, it's the opposite of like we get it. Shut the fuck up. You went to Northwestern. <laughs> like, doesn't matter. They've heard much. it all before. Basically, yeah. that yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a quick. There's like if you if you are a theater person at Northwestern, you either go to L.A., New York, or Chicago. No one's ever like, oh, I want to go back and like go to Austin or something. They okay. kind of yeah. just go to those three centers to 
pursue. What but which want. makes sense. I mean, like, yeah, I want to go to North Carolina. Like, yeah, uh, okay, but. Although there was like when I was a freshman, there was like a crew of people who were like, "We're all going to go and make Portland theater happen." And I think they went out to Portland and started a couple different theater companies. But by and large, they just go to the three hubs. And Chicago is a great theater city as well, especially if you're just starting, because every like every third place is doing a play some random weekend. So it's it's a great community to come up in, and you don't have to be equity to get work in acting in Chicago. So. Okay. And did you, but don't you, do you think that you appreciated the fact that it, it wasn't like you just meowed your way in per se into all these places that they make you still work for? Do you think that in the end that that helps if you got a good work ethic and you have the talent, it still keeps that kind of drive going versus assuming you're just going to get something? Well, I, I, no, I didn't, I wasn't assuming anything. I think the nice thing. No, about, I mean, I, in general, like people, sh- it, it, do you think that that helps? Oh, yeah. To, I think to still make you a, earn it. And I make think you, comedy is a great meritocracy. And I think that the community definitely, like, you know, gets upset when people skip steps. You know, when people when somebody like jumps ahead of the pack in with an unfair advantage, you're like, "Oh, okay, well, you know, that doesn't feel fair at all." So, but there are people that you see that you're like, "Oh, <clears throat> oh, clearly this guy's funny." I see why you're funny. why yeah. you're jumping steps. Yeah, it's yeah, because yeah. you're about to be a movie star or you're going to go But those are anomalies. Those are totally. rare rare yeah, yeah, times yeah, yeah. that that happens. But even those people still like are grinders. Do you know what I right. mean? Like yeah. it's not like they're like it's very difficult to be brilliant with a shitty work ethic and get yes. ahead you no know no yeah, I mean? yeah yeah no I, I i definitely agree with that like you <coughs> they are still people that they're they're there every day they're there every night they're always performing they're always looking yeah. for the next thing. and we're kind of in the season right now of, of i feel like hurt feelings with things like you know all the i feel like this time of year is like oh the jfl and the this and the that and the times when a lot of these big auditions are coming through yeah and anyone who gets those things you're like even if even if some people think that they deserved it or that they were you know in line for it you're like oh no like i've all all the people from last year's jfl i'm like oh yeah those people work very hard and they're all very funny do you know what i mean so yeah. it's, it totally <clears throat> it, i don't think you it's very difficult to jump ahead like that or have that kind of assumption that you will that you will yeah 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 yeah. and when you were at northwestern and then you go and you do the other sky i mean you had a did you have a plan like you're like i i would like to land were you thinking were you kind of on the border of like do i need to go back east because it's closer to home were you not a homebody type of person so that didn't matter were you like i gotta go to la or did it actually happen naturally through discussions and word of mouth and just getting to know you knew in, in chicago well there was a there? i was actually going to start a theater company with a with four friends um who uh when we graduated we were like hey let's we're, we're going to start kind of like a, a a theater company in chicago and then three of them received opportunities in new york that took them out there which is totally cool and one got something in la and uh, me and one other guy stayed in chicago and we we're like oh, i'm just going to do improv because that was kind of going to be part of the plan anyway so like the plan was to kind of go through IO and Second City and then kind of reevaluate then and see what that was like. Also, in terms of comedy and especially improv comedy, Chicago is definitely like a, a, a mecca, both in terms of its concentration and also in terms of like people are doing it there for like the love of it. Do you know what I mean? Like you get a lot of people out here who are like, oh, they do an improv. They take like a level one and a level two of an improv school because their agent told them to do so. But, um, uh, and I guess it's changed a little over the years. But in Chicago, like as there are, I feel like stand-up bar shows here, there are like improv bar shows in Chicago where we're like, oh, there's this bar up on, you know, uh, you know, in uh over by like the, the mystic Celt says we can use their room for like uh, a night a week and right. so you get a couple improv teams together whereas i feel like in la <clears throat> that would more likely be a fun stand-up show yeah so people definitely do it for just the the love of 
of it. And the city responds to it. Like I, I was going to say, there's and there's an audience for it. There. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I went to a Second City ETC show a couple months ago. Uh, and that's like, it was like a Sunday at like seven and it was like an off week and it was like freezing fucking cold. And the place was like filled to the brim as though it were like New Year's Eve, like Whoa. people getting hammered drunk and loving it. And <clears throat> I just think the city really embraces uh, that community. And I think because they've had such good luck oh, in yeah. the th- and the people that have come through there and the people that they have seen on an off night for three bucks or yeah. whatever, it's like... You've seen John Belushi, Chris Farley. You got guys who've just come through there that are, you know, magnetic, and you want to see that, and, and that just breeds more comedy. And th- those guys just make everyone else look funnier, yeah. and everyone else just becomes funnier. And it's just, it's if they they kind of know what they have. Yeah, you know what I mean. In the sense that, like, go see these guys while you can, and before they're selling out arenas, or before they're on SNL, yeah. or before you can never see them again, and have a beer with them after the show, do whatever. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a great city, like, and it's definitely a city where people talk to after shows and like say like oh man i come to this every week and there's no like there's like i just feel like stuff like that it's more difficult to find in los angeles yeah it is except at the west side comedy no obviously the only um consistent (laughs) you know thematically there's something interesting about you i'd be curious to to go a little deeper into is that you know part of your mo is running something like you're like okay i'm not just going to be the actor or the funny guy i'm actually going to kind of take control and kind of be in charge when did that all start? Like, what was the reasoning behind kind of actually wanting to kind of be? I don't know. I think I've always been like, there's uh, like when I was in high school, we had like a, uh, this is before any sort of economic problems in my city, but like they had like, oh, we got a grant for a quarter of a million dollars. So like submit ideas for this massive arts festival we're going to put on. And I like grabbed five friends and I was like, let's do an improv show. And, and then we like applied and went through that. When I was like a freshman in college, we started a theater company in my like, uh, dorm, which they call residential colleges, and we applied for a grant and got it. It just seemed uh, like not easier, but you know, you you you're allowed more decision making that way, and it's it's you, your destiny is in your own hands in a way. And I think that that's like there's a lot of flack about acting colleges where they tell you they don't really teach you how to like do the business side of things. But the nice thing about where I went to school was you were given agency to create entities and you could get funding to put on your own art so i think we started like me and friends started like three or four theater companies over the course of four years and it just it taught you like oh it's very much kind of like you know people become youtube famous and people shit on them somewhat but it's also like no 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 those are like they're pioneers because they were like i'll do this myself because then i have control over it Mm -hmm. so i think that that was always the the impetus for kind of starting things and being more at the managerial or, you know, I don't know, not proprietary side of stuff, just to be able to shape what you want to do with this thing. And when you finally decided to leave the Midwest and come, obviously, to the West Coast, you, you went West Coast right away, right? You said you went... You, I was in you... Chicago for four years after college. Okay. I toured for three of those years with okay. the company that my friends and I uh, own called uh, MI Productions, doing, like, short-form things. And when I got done touring, I was kind of like... You know, for as great as Chicago is, there is kind of a glass ceiling in terms of uh, earning potential. And I think there's an aspect of once you get paid to do something, to go back and climb like the social and, you know, creative ladder again. I was like, oh, well, I'll just go to New York or L.A. And at that point, the majority of the people who had worked in my company already moved to L.A. 
And I realized, and so did a lot of my college friends who kind of did their, like, if you will, like, apprentice acting in, like, small theaters in Chicago. They had already moved to L.A. or New York. So by the time I left, I kind of knew more people in Los Angeles than I did in New York or even Chicago. So it was very much like a, a, an easy choice. So when you made the uh, jump, were you making enough money that you could uh, pick your own place? Or did you have to do the old, uh, I'm just going to go out there and... Uh and couch crash. With well, I had a friends. I had like a great setup with this really nice girl from uh, my my college. Uh, she was like, "Yeah, I'm about to move in with my boyfriend. Like, you can have my apartment. It was totally within my budget. Everything was going to be like perfect." And I was literally packing and closing the hood of my trunk, and my phone rang, and she was like, "Hey, the, the there's something wrong with the pipes in the new place, and blah blah blah." Oh. And it turned out that like. She just wasn't really as in love with the guy as she was before, so she was like, <laughs> not moving "There's something wrong with his pipe." Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I so one of my one of the other owners of the West Side, I just called him up. I was like, "Hey, man, I'm in a fucking jam. I'm like on I'm, my way out. I'm in. The the, door. I'm like 14 hours away from being there." And he was like, "No problem. You have my couch. Take it for as long as you want." And it like uh, just crashed there and then found an apartment and bounced around and it was easy. So the guy that you and we'll get. I'm assuming it's a guy that yeah. you call. So that person. Uh, was somebody that you already knew before you got into the business out here? Yeah, I knew okay. him from touring. You yeah, did. He was okay. he was like as I came into touring, he was kind of phasing out. So oh, we, okay. we toured for a semester together. Okay, but uh, he's a great guy. I was like a groomsman in his wedding. We were all like groomsmen in each other's weddings. Okay, and I was a flower girl for two of them. So like, you know. So when you get so you land, you land in L.A. and you've got a lot of experience, both running stuff and also performing. Like more so like, than the average person correct. that comes here. You However. Know. However, You're couch crashing. You yeah. need a job. You need yeah. to make money. Yeah. How quickly were you able to get off that couch? How quickly were you able to find? Like, what's your method? Were you like, I'm just going to get a job. I don't care what the job is. Or were you like, no, 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 no. I got to stay to a plan. I, di- I kind of just got another job and it was a job as a file clerk. And it was like the, the worst, most soul crushing yeah. hours of my life. It was so bad. And I know this, like I was saying, my uncles talked in like coming to America and like, you know, trading places speak. Like we were, she sat, our boss sat down the file clerks and she was like, you know, guys, this is a lot like a restaurant. Like first you're mopping floors, then you're washing cabbage, then you're flipping burgers. Pretty soon before you know it, you're assistant manager. And that's when the money comes in. And I started laughing hysterically. And she was like, why are you laughing? I was like, that's from coming to Are America. you Louis Anderson? Are you Louis Anderson? And it's not a good thing. Like, yeah. it's a pathetic, awful thing. Hey, you're watching the lattice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fries. when the big money comes yeah. And I, she was kind of like, all right, well, this meeting's over. And, like, picked her papers up. And, and that's when I was like, I need to quit this job. And then yeah. uh, another guy that I toured with got me a job as, like, a, an, uh, an MC for Ford Motor Company events, which was fun and got to travel, but also, like... You know, you get tired of traveling and talking. Well, yeah, the whole point of coming to L.A. is to is not to leave it immediately yeah. And, yeah. and go about that stuff. So I kind of did that for two or three years, and then we acquired the theater and then kind of went Now, uh, this we're talking uh, West Side Comedy Theater. West Side Comedy Theater. Which I've brought up a few times on this show because... I've heard you bring it up. Thank <laughs> you for the advertisement. Yeah, yeah. Now we just need money from you to I keep know. advertising. Oh, <laughs> how about a PBR? <laughs> That's like perfect. A half a PBR, but I mean, I we Fuck. and I've said this. Split. I know PBR. I know I've said it before, but like I, I've done showcases. I've done shows at that place before you guys ever acquired it. And it, just so we're clear, 
I, I had been there years ago when it was more of an open space. When you, it was West Side Eclectic. So you, yes. you, it, yeah. you, that was not you. That you was took not it us. over afterwards where it changed the, the look and, yeah. and the style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. okay, okay. it used to be just a room with random different colored chairs yeah. and a stage that you could hear creak under your feet. Yes. And they would have shows there. And, they, and, and look, <clears throat> I had a good time there. I've done some shows like Ed Galvez used to have a show there that was really the fun. House, yeah. yeah, yeah, which was a fun show. And Ed is fun and there was a band and it was fun, you know? But other than that, you know, was there ever a great audience? Did it ever do a lot of promoting? Was it ever really considered a club or a comedy room? It was just it was a room, you know, with a back alley entrance. So yeah. the question is, yeah, what you you guys just walked over? You're like, let's do this because I mean, it, listen, it's L.A., it's Santa Monica. None, none, of, the, none of this is a, the, the risks, the expenses. There's all these things that go into play. I mean, it, it is right. It's a risk, and right? just to just to like give props to the West Side Eclectic, like after me and my friends running this thing for seven years, like I am impressed with the work that the West Side Eclectic did, only because they were able to stay open and bridge the gap and all, all of those things. Like, I think we made some changes that really helped out. But I also think that they were they were doing different plays I, then, I was going to say, it they was, did different. They weren't a comedy room. No, they were a, just a comedy a, a theater room. Almost. They were a theater room, and also they also put a lot of investment into kind of becoming a funnier die. They had like a website as well. Ah. And so they put a lot of their time and energy into trying to get content online during that during what feels like that window where people were like, what do we do? Live we're digging for gold. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, it didn't it didn't land as well, but like uh, but I I I am very grateful for West Side Eclectic having been what it was when it was. But knowing that and knowing that there are the struggles and try and, and trying to just get a business right. even in, in that market, which I think the West Side, you know, needed more comedy even yep. back then. It was it yep. was comedy you could get it everywhere else, but it was really hard to find it on was the West only Side. Only in bars on the and West Side. Was yeah. that something that you kind of? Well, that was kind of like. About, did you live on that side? Of I did town? not. Was that I, your I lived world? in Silver Lake until like oh, a year and a half ago. Okay. But like, I think that that was so. Th- th- the acquisition of the theater was definitely like a traumatic thing for our company as well. Meaning, like, we had three. I think two or three guys who were kind of founders of the company who were like, "Hey, I don't agree with this move. I'm going to step back." And these are these are guys who are like, you know best friends you know right. they're, they're guys who like one of their mom died and like the other one is the first one that they talked to do you know what I mean like yeah. that level of friendship so, yeah. so for them to like take a step back during that time it was like very traumatic for the company and it was also very unknown if we were going to succeed over there and I think that the the overwhelming argument that I was in I was on the side of the of, of the guys that was like we should do this uh, and um, there were people who were like very much against it and it was a very close vote when we put it to a vote among all the owners and I think the thing that I said was like listen if you ever ever wanted to have a theater of your own this is the only opportunity like this is the chance yeah and we can do whatever we want with it we can fuck it up we can do it well we can it may not be the only the opportunity money. but this is a great opportunity to yeah. get your hands involved to get your hands dirty yeah. to see what it really takes yeah and 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 look you're you were still you know seven years ago you did this yeah so you're seven still years and two months relatively you know you can bounce back financially and and oh definitely and socially and we and had our we had our larger business that was <clears> the thing that was kind of funding the theater while it was while we were in kind of startup mode what Maybe was that you guys sold crack our, no yeah a lot of crack uh, <laughs> we were drug dealers <laughs> we sold molly john it's the west sorry yeah 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 right, um, right right i'm old but um the uh uh no we had our touring companies that were still uh, operating so we took the revenue from that to invest into the theater and we were like hey we'll, we might have a couple lean years but like if we do this right we can kind of be an entity for comedy on the west side and that was our 
So our two things that we were like, listen, we know that we have a geographical monopoly if we open this place. And we also know that this is the cheapest and easiest we'll be able to do this at for right right now. Because like, yeah, like you could start another place or an opportunity might come along. But like you're looking at such a huge initial investment that... And that place was up to code. It was, it was, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, you know, like it was pretty much up to code. But you you weren't buying a ramshackled shit box that that you had to to gut and do, you know. But you did redesign the place. We did redesign the place two years in. Our first, like the first order of business was we need to sell something inside of here that people want that isn't comedy. So we went with beer and wine because it was the only it was the only license available and in hindsight like I'm glad we don't have liquor because people do shots and then they throw yeah. up in the bathroom no you don't need the fights, you, blah, blah, it's blah. not that kind of you don't need it there's liquor. so much truth there but you did pick out you like listen there's only two reasons why people come to to, yeah, to, you're, to you're, California either to be successful in the business or to drink so you could get you got you got both totally and also we had a thing where we were like it was it was 2008 and it was literally like the, the worst part of the recession no, that's and we right. were like at any other time like the price wouldn't be this, the opportunity wouldn't be this, none of this. Like, oh, you're you know, saying it actually weighed in your advantage because oh, of the market. Oh, absolutely. I you were saying it was scarier because of that. Okay. No, not scarier at all. If anything, we were like, you know, in one of the meetings we talked about how, like, listen, we know that the economy sucks right now. However, this is one of those few things that is kind of an inelastic uh, economy, meaning like there's always going to be someone who wants to come to Los Angeles to try comedy. So, like, if we are an outlet to do that, we are we are in an okay position. Right. And if we get it now, we have nothing to do but build. It's like buying a funeral home. Exactly. People die all the time. People come to L.A. all the time to do comedy, to do improv, to... Well, what's that? It's like, it's like that saying. What's that saying? When there's blood on the street, buy land or something like that. Like it's it's like when things are shitty, that is when you invest yeah. because they are shitty right now. And so, like we did, um, we we overtook it in two thousand whatever seven years ago is two thousand nine two thousand nine, and then by two thousand eleven we had we had gotten through all the permitting and we did the construction for the bar and I I project managed that and I manage the bar now. So we kind of built. Do you that like out. all that stuff? I do. I mean, I think it's great. I think uh, it was really fun to build. I mean, it was really also a traumatic experience to build because whatever our budget was, it was about two and a half times that when we were done with <laughs> sure. it. It always is, right? We'd be doing construction and there'd be like, I'd have to go back to the guys and be like, hey, I need another $1,200. And they're like, why? What happened? And I was like, we have a pipe broken underground and there's like shit water everywhere. <laughs> and they'd be like, uh. do we have to spend it? I'm like, we could leave the shit water there if you want to, but there's going to be get, shit water. Then you smell like the viper room, <laughs> yeah. and that yeah. smells like the diaper room. So it was Disgusting. just like, you know, when you do construction, just things balloon. And uh, and so we barely made it out of that, and now we're, now we're kind of humming along. So it all worked out. So you're, you're finally seeing, like, uh, financial growth for a little bit. I mean, we've always seen financial growth, okay. but, like, also there's added expense, and we, like, we, no one is buying... A car, or maybe even a bicycle, off of the profits we're making at the West Side right, Comedy right, Theater. Right, right, okay. But like, what we wanted was a place to do comedy, a place for us to foster talent, a place for us to have a farm system for our touring companies, which we've started to do as well. A place where we can break new talent, and we definitely know where we are in terms of the hierarchy of comedy clubs. Like, we know we're not a bar show on a Thursday night, right. but we also know that <clears throat> we're not the improv. Right. So, like, I think that we're we're kind of slotting into our place in the comedy hierarchy really nicely, and I think that people are enjoying it. And that general area, I mean, just, you know, you're there, you see a show, but even before or after, there's stuff to do. There's places to eat, there's fucking bars, there's... Yeah. You're on the promenade, you know yeah. what I mean? You're yeah. <clears throat> walk to the 
goddamn beach if you want. You know? Yeah, and before it was like when we first opened, it was like, oh fuck, you're in an alley, and now I feel like the feeling is like, no, it's in this alley where it's like, ooh, this is fun. <clears throat> Whereas before, people like we would start shows twenty minutes late all the time because people would be like. We couldn't find you, and yeah. nobody knew where you were, and now it's much now, more. No, yeah, and people can hang out in that alley, and it's yeah. not, you don't have to worry about traffic, and yeah. it's not like, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a good hang. And I didn't mean to sound like I was shitting on West Side Eclectic. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I was no, backtracking no, no, no. someone's back. But I also know that they did stuff I didn't see. I didn't see any of their plays. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. only there for like Montreal showcases. No, and, and I, don't, I don't say that. I also, <clears> I'm not defending everything that West Side Eclectic did. I just... The, you're grateful that they were it's there. Like, it's like if you see a parent where you're like, you're not doing a good job. Like, I've never been a parent. So, like, like after parenting, I'm like, hey, ease up on that woman who let the kid fall into the gorilla pit. Like, right, sure right. that a lot of shit was happening. Though, right, you know? right, right, right. <laughs> it's but, funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also true. Yeah. It's also true. Yeah. Le- yeah. Leave, leave that fucking lady alone. Yeah, she feels terrible. Of course she does. No, she's pumped. She hates Listen, gorillas. Listen, I will Frick- never, she ever her criticize baby. anybody. I lost my kid at the well, zoo once. Oh, well, really? Yeah, I had two, and I was paying attention to one. I turned on the... I'm telling you how quick. A kid, if a kid yeah, they're wants to get out of sight fast... They're, 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 they're not, not even on trying. Your, they're they're not, even... not on your wavelength, man. They're on their own wavelength. Yeah. So They're actually humans. Well, and also, if you read the actual... <laughs> yeah. There's all... The, 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 not, not to get off on that story real quick, but... It's funny you would bring that up. There's actually, if you if you are not a troll, and you actually look one step further, there is an eyewitness account. It was like, yeah, no, it, it everything just kind of happened. Fucked and up in was, the right it way. Was, and and it was other parents going. They that that mother didn't do anything wrong. Anything that any other no. parent would have went. We all saw what was happening. We were trying to stop it. It just it all it took off on all of us immediately. And then someone else was like, yeah, but she's on the video saying, "Mommy loves you." What the fuck else is she yeah. supposed to say? Like a troll will Did find Did you make any, your bed? <laughs> yeah, a troll will find any reason to get upset about yeah. it. Well, my whole thing is is and I I believe this about just about everything now is I don't want to hear your opinion if you weren't there and you weren't involved. But that's directly. troll. That's what I know, trolls are. I know, about. I know, I know, I know. And that's what they do and I get it. But I won't I won't engage with someone like that. And there is no debate that I should be having on Facebook with other parents or with other people because it doesn't matter because I wasn't there. Yeah. I didn't see what happened. And dude, I don't know. If I had a gun and there was a gorilla fucking threatening my kid, yeah, I'd probably shoot the gorilla. Of course. But yeah. you know, well of maybe unless my kid is a prick. Down. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. my kid's a little jerk off. What is it? <laughs> There are those two. Yeah, but right. There's I, a I couple a kids this, I definitely wouldn't have shot the gorilla. I would have, let's see where this goes. Shoot uh, the kid. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're about to get some trolls. I tranked the kid. You're about to get some trolls. Um, but yeah, so the, the so what is the overall business model when you guys open this up? You're not just a straight up stand up comedy club, right? You like you said, yeah. you've got there are other things you are trying to accomplish. So how do you take multiple art forms and make sure that it makes sense and makes it work, right? Because you don't. Like there's always that worry of the mixed message, and how do you get audience? How do you drive your audience there? And w- at, when you guys first opened, were you guys a little concerned when you first opened, or were you like, no, no, this is going to work? Uh, well, we thought. I think that we had much more of like a uh, like a, like a Pascal's wager feeling about it, where it was like it was like if it if it if it works great, if it doesn't work, it won't not work badly enough to destroy us. So we okay. might as well try it. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you know we have we have weekly meetings where we talk about things. You know, everyone in the company kind of goes through their little part of the company and talks about stuff, and we're great uh, kind of counselors to each other in that way. And also now we kind of have like. You know, there have been three artistic directors now, so we kind of have a little bit of like institutional knowledge that helps us out. But when we started, we were basically just like, let's try and stay open. It was very much like, how do we how do we keep the lights on one one night to the next? Like when we had our opening party, we were like, 
we were like, we should buy a keg of PBR. And we were like, but if we spend that money, rent is going to be tough. It was literally like, yeah. like the poor kids need Christmas too. <laughs> and so like, and now like that's no longer a problem, but we have a plethora of other problems. So it's kind of just, uh, and I think the thing that we've really benefited from is that because we're not kind of beholden to anyone else in terms of it succeeding or failing or how good it is or uh, X, Y, and Z. We're very good at kind of like tinkering and allowing ourselves to try something new. If it doesn't work, pulling back on that, try something else new. If that works, great. Let's push forward in that direction. I think that a lot of comedy theaters, more on the improv side of things, kind of get stuck in doing what they've done. And if they don't keep tinkering and trying new things, things get stale fairly quickly quickly yeah and uh and i think that we've been good about you know trying new things all the time and not letting how it much of it yeah, sorry how much of it is for you guys do you want it to be stand-up versus uh the other type of stuff that you guys are more a world that you guys are more familiar with um well i think that there's uh i think that stand-up is more accessible obviously to a paying audience and i think that people drink more to stand-up shows so i think that for for me, I think the balance should be we, we want to be able to provide quality content consistently. We want to provide quality opportunities consistently. And we want to have a place where people can have this be their home theater. That's kind of our new, I, a newer idea among us is before we were... Before we were kind of the, when we first took over, we were the theater of last resort. And now we've kind of become the second place that people will take classes. So they'll go through UCB and then they'll be like, oh, I'll try Westside now as well. And so we're kind of trying to transition into having this be people's home theaters, okay. at least on the on the training improv side. On the stand-up side, we just want to get, obviously, the best names possible all the time. And we want to have a place where... Uh, people call this their home theater. Okay. And I think that that's happening a little more. It's tough with the kind of gravitational pull of the Laugh Factory, the comedy store, and the improv to kind of peel people off of that. But I feel as though like, you know, when Neil Brennan started doing his show at the theater, this is like five years ago, four or five years ago now, it was like great because it allowed people who hadn't been like quality comics who hadn't been at our theater to come and, to see, come it. and yeah. see it and have a positive experience. And that crowd is awesome. They kind of know every week like, oh, this is new material. They're a great, you know, they're patient. They're nice. I hear a lot of comics say that our our club, when you do stand-up, it doesn't feel like, uh, like a club in Los Angeles. It feels more like... a the feeling of a road club in mm-hmm. terms yeah. of the audience. The audience is there to laugh and they don't give a shit who you are yeah. and what your credits are and yeah, they're yeah. not judging you or thinking about you know when Dane Cook is going to come on. Or, yeah. yeah, so I think that our, our kind of goal uh, in terms of the, the proportion, we try and do like 40-40-20, so 40 stand-up, 40% stand-up, 40% improv, and then 20% sketch, variety, weird stuff that we want to program new things that need a new voice, stuff like that. How have you, and maybe you haven't put up with this, but how have you had to deal with the fact that once you become a little popular, everybody wants your time, everybody wants to make sure, I mean, the hurt feeling thing, especially when it comes to stand-up, everybody, yeah. everybody believes that they, they, they should get as much stand-up time as possible right. from you. How have you, because you're a performer too, so it's like, how do you, how, I, always, I used to run the belly room at the comedy store, yeah, and I, I sometimes had, 
there was tough nights where I'm like, bro, I just want to go do my comedy. I don't need to hear yeah. about you. Just well, you know, there's like me. there's like the feeling in in my heart that every new Facebook friend request is a show request. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, who's this person? I have 174 mutual friends yeah. with. How do I oh, know? Oh, it's them? another comic who another and you probably. Don't wanna, and you don't want to be jaded either, right? You don't want to. You don't want to find yourself going too far and then going. Am I being a douchebag now? Because I, you know what I mean. It, it kind of comes with the territory. But how do you balance it? Well, I think the nice thing about I book our our Saturday show, which is a, a really John's done it before. Great show. Uh, it's uh, every Saturday. Don't mean to yawn. Sorry, sorry John. Great show. It's really a great, great show. show. It, it's it really is. It was eye a lot of fun. That was uh, yeah. That was yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was good. And it's like usually it's generally sold out. Great show. So I book that show. But I think we also, in terms of being jaded or like being like overwhelmed by requests, we kind of have a diffuse enough. Uh, uh, show producing structure that it never really falls on any one person too heavily. Meaning our artistic director curates the shows, Mike Batet curates the shows that we have at the theater and then the show producers have their lineups and then every once in a while we'll get a request from like a management company of like, hey, our client's in town, if you have any spots open, let us know. So we'll try to accommodate those. So it's kind of more on the show producers mm-hmm. than it is on the uh the, the theater as a whole. Okay. And in terms of the Saturday show, I I just I book comics that are either I'm excited to see are from out of town and haven't been here or that I think deserve more stage time or that are my friends uh, and those are kind of the qualifications. Have you during your 7 years um, had somebody that came up and you and I think this person's got something and you've seen them kind of grow up uh, through through you guys and and have moved on to other things? I mean, definitely, there are tons of people who, and this goes also goes back to like the West Side Eclectic days. There are lots of people who like we we were the first place they interned at. Like you know, the, thinking of names off the top of my head, like like a dude like Rob Christensen used to intern at the theater, and he's a fantastic stand-up. I think the a bunch of the Dead Kevin guys would be hanging out. Like guys like Hampton Yount ran our open mic for years. So like there are those those people. I think that it's tough because, you know, stand-ups are much more independent contractors than an improviser because you don't need other people to do yeah, it there with there's you. There's no team necessary. But I think that there are comics who are are now great comics and will be very famous comics soon that definitely spent a lot of their maturing years at the at the West Side. Okay. And that's that's cool to see. Yeah. And it's nice, you know, that's what the uh, the the open mics are good for is that you see someone who's like I've taken people that I've seen at open mics and been like, "Oh, hey, like I'd love to have you do like a 7 minutes out of my show." And then, you know, they get a little a little better more stage time than they would have had just doing open mics and things like that. That first though, if you if you're the first one to ask, most of those guys will never forget that. Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like the first time someone said to me like, "Hey, you're pretty good doing these open mics. Do you want to come and do a regular show? Like I will never. Yeah, I mean, it was a terrible experience, and it was one of it was the, the right. hardest I've ever bombed. But I will never forget that guy, that club, that you know. That I mean, there's a feeling to it where you're mm-hmm. like, you could be like, he murdered his family, and you'd be like, yeah, but he's a pretty good but guy. He gave me some time <laughs> in the West Side Comedy Theater when I was brand new. Yeah, no, it's it's, and that's cool to see as well. And also, just like the, there's a community that's growing up there that's kind of. You know, I think when we first took over the place, we were like, we don't know any of these people. Some of them seem kind of shady and like street people. And yeah. now, like, now we throw a couple parties every year, and every party, I'm like, oh, this community is so great, and there's so many good, uh, like, people that are over here. And also, 
like there are more and more stand-ups who are coming to kind of those like community events and that's I think that's a good sign for like the health of the stand-up scene over yeah, there. Yeah, getting well. com- getting comedians to actually socialize. It's, it's yeah, dude. It's I mean, unbelievable. Jesus Christ, yeah. It's like we like we throw these parties where we have like dollar and 2 dollar beers and you'll tell an improviser and they'll be like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm going to bring everybody I'm I gonna know. I'm going to bring everybody I know." And then the <laughs> and the stand-up will be like, "How late does it run?" Dude, you are know, there like, going to be more people there than just you or me? Yeah. I got to talk to somebody? Yeah. Dude, this isn't my thing. So weird. Uh, I know. I used to run. Uh, um, it's a place that's closed now. Uh, Bar Azur it was called uh, over on Culver City when I first moved out here, and I managed to get to the point when I was running it that I wanted to do an open mic on Mondays, and then a, like a book show, like from yeah. from the open micers, book a show on Tuesdays, and on Tuesdays, I, the, the bar was giving away dollar buds. And they had just opened up a, a restaurant, and they supplied the food, and I still couldn't get. It's unbelievable. The comedians are like, oh, dollar beer, man. But dollar, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right yeah. now? It's on average $8 in this city. I think yeah. you can muster up a buck, yeah. you know, and support the cause. But yeah, I mean, it, mo- it wasn't like all of them like that, but there is that weird thing where they're just like, yeah, but I just I just want to. I just want to come in and do, do the my set time and, and take and, off. And I, part yeah. of me, I get that. That's just how they are. A little bit, little bit uh, Aspergery in that way. Just that that's how they're a little they antisocial, a little not so good. In here's a, here's here's another uh, interesting question. Because you had to become Mister or Captain Responsible and also run the bar. Do you ever do you ever sit on the sidelines and go, all right, this is cutting in too much of my creativity? Do you ever see in a, something that's going on on stage and you kind of get that adrenaline? You're like, ooh, man, well, if I could just be up there, does it? Do you ever come in conflict? With I that think stuff? that there was like, you know, I definitely have seen, especially when we first opened, like a lot of very very bad comedy but i i do think that like it's also a function of i used to have to work like four or five nights a week at the bar and just because the bar is doing better i probably only work like two or three nights a week now so like the success of the place has given me more freedom to okay. do other things so uh, in the beginning really. it was pro- might have been a little tough just because you're just starting out you're trying yeah. to run a business but then once things pick up like you said you i mean i started doing stand-up second i started doing stand-up because there was i was always afraid to do it and there was a stand-up who was so bad and so confident <laughs> that I was like I like he he rented out the place which for then was a big deal for us for like a couple hundred bucks or something and he was filming his special and oh, he started God. the show we'll, we'll talk about the names off air because we don't we, we don't do that no, this yeah, is yeah, a great yeah. story this is great yeah, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna like let you know I, who I, he no, is. No, that's great by I, the way you it. don't know him because I've never seen he's him never come back since again. then so he started the he started the special by Moonwalking out to uh, a Michael Jackson song and just dancing, topical, like dancing topical. for two songs, just dancing, not even stand up. And then, um, and then I was talking to someone that I knew who was a friend of his, and I was like, "What? Why does he do this?" And she was like, "Oh, he does this at parties. Like he'll call ahead and be like, i 'I'm going to be there in like five minutes. When I get there, put on Michael Jackson and I'll dance for a little while.'" So I was like, "That's insane." And he was That's irritating. I mean, I would want to be at a party where that happened. But yeah, it was yeah. probably more entertaining at the party than it was at. Oh, night. I'm sure. <laughs> and he was uh, an, an Iranian uh, Jewish man, and all of his jokes were about being Iranian Jewish. Of which I think there's a hundred thousand people in the world who are that Iranian are, that are both who, of those who things. are both yeah. of those things. So like his confidence was so huge. The audience is like, "Yeah, dude, we're not relating." Yeah, like, and I remember he said something where he said. These motherfuckers be up in the synagogue like who this bitch, and I was like, "Oh, I'm trying stand up tomorrow." Like yeah. if he if he is this confident, I cannot do worse than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I won't be the worst. So Did he moonwalk off stage at the end? 
Uh, no, but afterwards it was like, you know, like when somebody is like done with a dance number and they like hold the pose and they're like, you know, breathing heavy. And afterwards he had like a towel around his neck. He's like, yeah, man, this is going to be huge. And I was like, mm, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think he had some good jokes in there, but we'll see. This is going to be huge. Did, did the special ever? Uh... I don't I don't think it went anywhere. No, no. it's not. Let's, let's, it no, we... I don't think he could have gotten the rights to Thriller. It's so special. <laughs> <laughs> Open your special with a Michael Jackson song that you can never, never show or, yeah. on air Unless anywhere. Unless the guy's just filthy rich and doesn't give a shit. But, I, think, uh, I think he was. But it was like, yeah. uh, I was like, it was like, it's so bad. Like, I have to have to try stand up now. Um, so, That's um, crazy. Uh, what about work in a bar? Everybody always wants a deal, right? Like, how do you handle that? Especially when you get to know, you know, again, because you're a performer and, right. you're, and people are coming up. Do you ever get that vibe like people are? Or like, do you have you, do you, have you laid a groundwork where like, this, this that, is your livelihood too. You can't yeah, just yeah. be slinging free drinks all night long. No, I mean, you have to like, you have to assume that people are stealing your time or your product on some level. And there's like an industry standard for that of like 5% of your bar is kind of just out the window anyway. And we have kind of eight owners. So like, we don't, we have a deal with drinks that we adhere to. And so like, it's not bad. We also have cheap drinks. We have like $4 beers. So like, it's not, you know, yeah, people are pretty okay with stuff like that. And we, we had $3 drinks for like four years and we bumped it up a dollar and like no one noticed. So we were like, <laughs> you're like, damn it. We could have asked like, for four this whole making... time. Yeah. But four, <laughs> four is under five. Four is under five. Do you know what I mean? So you're getting a dollar back. Yep. That's your tip. So it's, it's $5 every time. Yeah. And that's better than, Six dollars, which now I got to give you a ten, and you give me four. It's yeah. like there's, there's simple shit like that that does mean something. Yeah, and I also think that there's an aspect of of the place <clears throat> where we people know that we are owner operators. So I think that there's like I, I was gonna say like it's not like some anonymous douchey bartender. I right, mean, it is with me, but not with the other people that work for me. But also like as a younger comic, <clears throat> if I knew you and I was going there all the time, I'd be like. Come on, guy. I'm a comic, you know, and I'd be annoying because I don't understand at age 24 what it takes to run a business. Yeah. Whereas as a grow- adult, I'm like, I'm gonna pay full price because you don't owe me shit. I'm doing time, like you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I understand that you own this place and that without it, and how hard it is to run any business in Los Angeles, yeah. restaurants, anything. Like the turnover rate is insane, and I, I do think that we realize, like. Um, We've talked about this as a company. Like, if we had had this place 10 years ago, we would have, like... It's like that thing about, you know, aliens. Like, if we haven't met aliens because a a species that has the technology for interstellar space travel will have already destroyed itself with that technology. And I think that's very much like owning a bar if you if we were like 24-year-olds yeah, would have done. Would, it would have been caved like in. fucking destroyed. Yeah, because there would have been no like, oh, our friends are going to be here and we're going to get shit-faced yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then the bill comes and you're like, why is this all on me? I also think that there's an aspect of, uh, also with kind of the... I was saying before about like there's a lot of people who produce shows there and there's a lot of people who like intern there and there's a bunch of people who like work there and perform there. I think there's kind of like a a feeling of collective responsibility among everyone where they're kind of like yeah these guys are running this place but also this is kind of where I go to hang out. Yeah, so like yeah. let's not fuck it up too. It's much. like as you get older, you start going to your friend's house. You're a little bit more respectful. Yeah. you're like okay, I'm not gonna put my feet on your mom's fucking coffee table because I'm not 15 and I'm not a dildo. Yeah, there is a fine, there's a delicate balance as you know running a business like that and how. How you spend your money because even in comedy in any form of entertainment when you run a place like that the ebbs and flows man I mean yeah. you can hit that low point for a really long time and you got to live off of something else you've already done in the past yeah. you know and I also think that we've done like we've 
like we we haven't broken all of the shit in the room, but we've done like fun, crazy stuff that was probably not the best idea. Like we had an anniversary party where I put a petting zoo in the green room, and there was like thirty animals in there, just wow. like running around with a bunch of hammered drunk people. Another time we bought like. I bought like thirty thousand uh, like ball pit balls, and we filled up the whole green room to waste hive. Wow! Made, like a massive, like plenty of times for someone to get hurt and you know yeah. sue the balls off of us, but like not not in the day to day operation of people acting like dickheads. Did yeah. you did you have the uh, um, the animal that spits in people's faces? The llama is, is the llama or yeah, it's not like alpaca. We or did have a llama, what? yeah. I got spit in the face by that thing. So did Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan the Destroyer. Mine was at a kid's party, oh, yeah. and uh, and the kids enjoyed that more than they did the alpaca. They thought that was the funniest because I literally it was it was literally a drive by spitting. I was like oh, alpaca, and it just looked at me, spit in my face. <laughs> yeah, and then you have that with effect on people. <laughs> that's, it's like, hey, Coach Mike. <laughs> that's their major defense, though. That's. <laughs> What evol- Why me? evolution? He thought you were gonna kiss him, him, dude. He thought you were gonna kiss oh, him. I was just gonna give him a you know a friendly two finger hello from a distance. And he's and- like, and I'll give you a friendly. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Ace Ventura 2, though, man. Maybe that's what they do when you're popular. So how having done all this stuff, obviously, you know, it sounds like you're 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 glad you did it. Oh yeah, you're, you're proud of what you've accomplished. Now, where does that fall into the category of when I moved out here, I'm going to accomplish A, B, and C? Um, I it doesn't. I yeah, mean, I think that's all. I think there's. I, I don't think that that happens for anyone. I don't think anyone falls into A, B, and C. Out but I mean, it, but as far as your goals, the things that you wanted to obtain, is, did it slow oh, down? Did it goals? slow down? <laughs> it slow down? I was supposed to have goals no. this whole time? Like soccer goals? <laughs> what I don't do you know. mean? I got two in the back if yeah. you need them. Oh, cool. Uh, no, I uh, I think that I I think that I fell oddly into my part of the, the, of the company in a way that was completely organic and also um, I was I was the only I was on unemployment at the time and I was like well I'll build this bar while on unemployment and then like when we're done my my prize for doing it will be the job of managing it and so like I was just the guy that was in the position to do it that way and I think that's kind of how the whole theater started like we got the theater because one of us was the last artistic manager of uh, artistic director of the West Side Eclectic. So I don't think there's any plan. I just think there's kind of like uh, there's like release points where like things are allowed to flow through and it was like, oh, this release point is happening here. Let's just grab it. All the while trying to do stand-up improv comedy, things like that. So it's just I've never been very happy working for anyone. And so So this is kind of, it's your DNA. Yeah. It's who you are. Yeah, I just don't. I don't do well yeah, with bosses. Wh- but why? <laughs> you don't have to. I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? You've obviously set this up and from an early age kind of been like, I want to do this and yeah, act yeah. and try this. And and when people do start looking over your shoulder, you can be like, eh, fuck off. Yeah, it's nice. And we actually, we just got our lease renewed for five years a couple of weeks ago. So That's we're, great. we're there for five more years if we don't fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> Should be good. No more alpacas. No more alpacas, <clears throat> man. Or? More all alpacas. alpacas or more all, all the time. time. <laughs> alpaca show. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you okay? You want some water? Yeah. Well, I yeah. got a I got a cough bottle for you, buddy. Yeah. Um, that was that's a good place to end, right? Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Alpacas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we end on alpacas. Well, no, but meaning like we get you know five more years, guys. You go check this place out if you live in the Los Angeles area. It is. Yeah. Why don't you give us the most important business details? It's thirteen twenty three A Third Street Promenade. It's in the alley between Third and Fourth, right by the Chase parking lot. You guys can uh, come by. We do great shows seven nights a week. Every Thursday at ten, I perform with the owners in the grind, and every Saturday at eight, I do the Saturday show, which is a great stand up show. It is a great stand-up show. I'd like to get back on that someday. 
Don't use this as a way to pressure. Oh, don't. So we're done now, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're good. That was it? Yeah, no, that'd be great. Call me. My number seven. It hasn't changed. My I gotta go. Seven. Like, oh. John, you did it like a month ago, two months ago? I, I did it not that long ago. Yeah, yeah I'll it'll, get you it, back it'll, on. Be, it'll be a while. No, I get it. I get it. I Just like kidding. another, send me another tape and then I'll take a look. Oh, cool. We'll yeah. See. No, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely at the place where I like sending tape to people. VHS. The v- well, that's what I will do if you ask for fucking oh, tape. Man, is I'll awesome. pull out me at the Friars Club from 2001. I'll send that to you. I will end on, I forgot I was having conversations with my nephew, Ben, 20 mm-hmm. years old. I was, uh, um, I made a movie last year and we're just, we're finishing posts on it, right? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm you know. Don't you worry, get, I'm not in it. We're, yeah, he's still mad about that. <laughs> so um, I'm talking about the fact, I'm like, oh, I, we we can view it. We're doing something online. He's like, oh, it's like a VHS copy. I'm like, Hope, what the fuck did you just say? Like, who's who's making copies of our movie to watch on V? You're 20, first off. You yeah, well, how, how do you even know? I'm like, no, man, it's it's a link on Vimeo that's password protected. That's how you watch it. Was he making fun it. of you because he thought you were old? No, I think it, it, was a, it was just a slip up because, again, his age, VHS is, I don't even think... 20 years old, how the radar. fuck are his parents Amish, but they started the date in like 1984? <laughs> <laughs> they started being Amish that day, 1984, September 6th. <sighs> Love the fact he thought I was burning copies on a VHS tape. Hey, you guys want to watch my movie? I got Not on a VHS I tape. I, I only watch movies John Huck is in, so. so uh, son of a bitch. Well, it's only one it's, guy it's, that won't it's, see. It's, uh, it's four VHS tapes. You got to finish. Oh, so it's like a, it's like a, it's like a two-reeler. <laughs> it's a mini But it's four. <laughs> It's more of a yeah. It's like four. four and it has like the ninety inter- minute the intermission and the orchestration <laughs> slide in between mm, everything. Perfect. So you know it's time to switch. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's a voice that comes on. Change tape. <laughs> tape two. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks no, for thanks for being on here, guys. Oh, did, we, uh, did we cover where to find you on the inter- internet oh, everywhere? Just, I have a very unique made up name. So Chris Gorbos is uh, anytime you search Chris Gorbos, you'll find R I S G O R B O S. That's it, man. Yeah, I did it. I spelled. Congratulations. All right. Well, I'm sweating through this shirt. Me so too. It's time Let's to go. Get hot. I agree. Goodbye. All right. Good show, everyone. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 